Hey everyone, this is Matt Wakeling and you're listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. This is the show I produce in Sydney, Australia, where I speak to leading guitarists and guitar figures from all around the world. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now, as regular listeners will know, most of the time this show involves me interviewing someone. Occasionally we do live concert reviews and that's the case today where I'm talking about the White Snake and Scorpions gig in at Sydney Kudos Bank Arena on February the 26th, 2020. If you head over to guitarspeakpodcast.com and follow the live concert reviews uh, links there, you'll see a bunch of reviews we've done either in print or audio podcast style ones like this. Um, we've covered shows by Joe Satriani, Alice Cooper, Ace Freely, Marty Friedman, Michael Sweet, and uh, a few others. So yeah, it's not the main thing we do, but... but uh, I love getting out to shows and reviewing them when I can. Now today, first you'll hear my reflections on the gig, and then uh, our friend Jeremy Barnes, Guitar Speak podcast alumni, uh, will join me and we talk through the show as well. And there's a a cool treat. Jeremy busts out his guitar and shreds uh, some eight-finger licks in the style of Joel Hoekstra, some legato tapping in the style of Red Beach, and uh, a little bit of John Sykes thrown in there as well all in reference to the Whitesnake guitar players. If you want to jump ahead to my conversation with Jeremy, just fast forward, I don't know, about 12 minutes or something, and uh, that'll get to that part of the show. I also want to give a shout out to my good friend Rick Thomas, who joined me on the night. Rick and I have been friends for for a while now, and uh, he's an excellent musician, great drummer, uh, teaches guitar, bass, drums, all sorts of things, and he is a white snake aficionado um big fan of david coverdale deep purple all those kind of connections so i had a great time in there with rick too thanks for coming rick and uh it was it was such a cool night so this tour was always going to be a really short one there were just three dates along the east coast of australia that schedule looked to become even shorter when scorpions frontman klaus mind fell ill after the opening show in melbourne now by all accounts that show was a corker but he uh, quickly fell ill. But after surgery on some very nasty kidney stones, a stint of much-needed bed rest, and some quick rescheduling, mine was back on stage a week later at a bustling Kudos Bank Arena in Sydney. First up, though, before the Scorpions hit the stage, of course, the White Snake opened the show. It was a double header, a double uh, header show. Both bands played for 90 minutes. And uh, Whitesnake came on just as the, the last strains of the Who's My Generation faded from the house PA, and they just launched like a coiled spring into a frenetic bad boys. David Coverdale, who is amazingly fit and sprightly at age 68, he totally owned the catwalk and the arena. And it's pretty remarkable that a guy who has fronted rock royalty for close to four decades, starting with Deep Purple back in 1973, man, he still sounds great taking on some tough vocal material. A few parts were rearranged, but his trademark baritone rasp was as recognisable as ever. Speaking of vocals, man, the entire band's BVs were killer, so on point, and uh, they were aided by a really great front of house mix. And uh, vocally, I want to put a shout out to the bassist Devin, uh, Michael Devon, who not only wailed on his black Rickenberg all night long, but he took on some extra high vocal parts with ease. And uh, I talk about that a little bit more with Jeremy Barnes later in this episode. Now, Whitesnake, man, the guitar 
alumni of that band is ridiculous with names like Steve Vai, John Sykes, Adrian Vandenberg, Bernie Marsden, Doug Aldrich, just to name a few. That's not even all the guitar players who've appeared in Whitesnake. But it is an amazing uh, roster of players. Now, the current team of Joel Hoekstra and Red Beach were unbelievably great, and they really pay respect to this six-string heritage while still putting their own stamp on things. So case in point, Red Beach, who's, by the way, been in Whitesnake for 18 years himself, he, he was adding really cool whammy bar stuff and uh, legato tapping into the classic Here I Go Again solo. Uh, Joel Hoekstra, who we had on the podcast back in episode 74, um, he was doing his multi-fingered, eight-finger tapping approach, fitting that into the tunes as well, while still being really respectful to the, to the original parts. I love that. Now, the guitar tones were massive. Hoekstra was rotating a trio of Les Pauls and a custom Strat. Now, they've all got the custom Whitesnake graphics on those guitars. They look super cool. Uh, Red Beach was playing a bunch of Sir, usually the modern S style as far as I could tell. And um, extra geeky fans would have noticed a quilted maple Sir with an angled pickguard that, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but that angled pickguard, it, it, it echoed some of the visual aesthetic of uh, Red Beach's signature Ibanez Voyages that he played back in Winger's heyday. I don't know if you remember those guitars, but I certainly do. Let me know if you're with me, if you think if you think there was some kind of nod to those guitars. Um, not surprisingly, White Snake's self-titled 1987 album featured very heavily in the set. And uh, older material like Ain't No Love in the City was, was fantastic as well. Um, that said, uh, you know, a trio of tunes from the 2018 Flesh and Blood album were also super well received by a very vocal crowd. And uh, it was great to hear those songs live. Now, if you've heard our interview with Joel Hoekstra, that was recorded back in February 2018. And he talks about the making of that album, the writing with Coverdale and uh, with Red Beach working out guitar parts. So it was super cool for me to, um, to hear those parts, to hear those songs live. Loved it. Whitesnake's killer set was massive. It ended with an epic uh, in the still of the night, which was just a perfect closer. The only, my only criticism, and it's not a criticism, it's just a personal wish list for me. I would have loved to have heard Crying in the Night, but uh, you can't have everything. And, and the 90-minute set was pretty killer. Now, onto the Scorpions. Now, the Scorpions are easily continental Europe's most enduring rock act. They have a huge global following. So I was pretty surprised to realize this was their first ever Sydney show. Klaus Mein, the, the frontman I mentioned earlier, who with founding guitarist Rudolf Schenker has appeared on every Scorpions album in, in the band's 50-plus year career. Yeah, 50 years. Unbelievable. Uh, he looked in great form anyway, post-surgery. And like Coverdale, his recognizable vocal timbre still passes the blindfold test. You'd spot that vocal anywhere. And he seemed, uh, mine seemed genuinely grateful to be back on stage. And he even apologized for the aborted 2018 Australian tours, uh, tour shows, which were, which were canceled uh, due to uh, mine having some vocal issues back a couple of years back. He, uh, he must have thrown at least a few dozen drumsticks into the crowd that graced his occasional cowbell playing during the guitar solos. He'd play a little cowbell and spend the rest of the solo throwing drumsticks out. 
a uh, little bit of tambourine stuff there too. But he was awesome. And the uh, the lineup of Schenker, um, longtime lead guitar player Matthias Jabs, and the rhythm section of Mickey D and Paul uh, Masidawa, they attacked the set with teenage-like enthusiasm. Uh, Rudolf Schenker, he was playing his trademark Flying Vs all night. The, he had his Harlequin uh, color scheme on one of them, a bunch of other Vs, even his acoustic for an unplugged version of Send Me an Angel. You guessed it. It was an acoustic Flying V. Very cool touch. He, uh, he made super good use of the catwalk. He was just running back and forth all night. And he's well into his 60s as well and looked fantastic. Sounded great. His meaty rhythm guitar, it propels the Scorpions. It struck me kind of not unlike Malcolm Young would, would do in, in ACDC, really driving the band. And uh, the lead guitarist, I mean, Schenker took a couple of leads as well, but Matthias Jabs did the, did the most of the heavy lifting in terms of uh, wailing guitar parts. He, he wielded a pair of custom Dominjet Explorers, which had very cool um, uh, solar system inlays. You'll have to look up some pictures to, to get what I'm talking about. But he, he was fanging away on those and dishing out really tasty blues rock solos. You heard a few diminished runs in there as well, uh, you know, somewhat reminiscent of uh, uh, Uli Roth or, or Michael Schenker's tenure in the Scorpions, I'd suggest. He also played a couple of strats, especially um, when they played Winds of Change. There's these really great hooks uh, in between the verses that can only be played on a strat, and uh, he, he pulled a great tone for that. I couldn't see any pedal boards or, or stuff on stage. Unlike White Snake, you could see the pedal boards. Um, the Scorpions probably weren't pulling as wide a range of guitar tones, but they were just big, classic rock tones. It's pretty cool. Uh, the Scorpions front of house team, those guys went to town with endless graphics and a light show, which was lasers, crowd blinders, lots of <laughs> lots of crowd blinders. Um, yeah, man. I mean, new technology, but had a distinct 80s feel to it. Uh, to my ears and eyes, at least. And the, the front house mix was punchy, um, but it was, it was loud, uh, almost almost to the point of pain at times. A lot of Rudy Schenker, um, super loud all night. It's a great tone, but a little fatiguing would be, would be my criticism of the mix. But, you know, that can happen in, in, a, in a giant room. And, and I was, to be fair, I was uh, towards the side, um, not far from the, the ground. The, the floor level was packed. The edges of the arena, slightly less so, and that's in part due to the fact that I would imagine that the show had been rescheduled. Um, but nonetheless, that was that was the show, and um, there was a rabid uh, fan base ensconced in the mosh pit for the Scorpion, singing along note for note, and uh, it was obvious that the diehard Aussie Scorpion fans were, were absolutely loving everything that was going on, so... And a couple of days after the show, you know what? I was still humming Rocky Like a Hurricane, which was the non-surprising encore from the Scorpions. Good times at White Snake and the Scorpions. And uh, thanks to Val McIver of VMPR, who helped uh, hook me up with tickets to go and see the show and provide this review. All right, I'm going to jump over now to my conversation with Jeremy Barnes, where we uh, discuss the show in further detail. Jeremy Barnes, welcome back to the Guitar Speak oh. podcast. Hello, mate. It's been too long. It has. 
been when when, when did we talk this. last I year? To, uh, I listened to every single one of them, mate. It's uh, you're killing it, mate. Well done, brilliant. Thanks. Thank you so much, brilliant, mate. People loved your episode, that, and as did I. So, um, so I just talk too much. That's my call, buddy. Perfect, perfect <laughs> podcast guest. Yeah, I was going to say. I think that's a good thing on a podcast. Hey, I saw you from afar at the White Snake Scorpions gig, so I thought it might be good to reach out and have a chat about it. Yes, and I had such a great night. I took my 13-year-old son, who's a monster guitar player, and and um, he's getting to see all these uh, amazing rock shows that I never did because they, those bands didn't come out here when I was young, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was, I think it was definitely the Scorpions' first Sydney gig. It was. And White yeah, Snake haven't been to play. out. Sorry? Yeah, I don't know when. I, I think Scorpions were supposed to play in 2018 or something. That's and right. Klaus's yeah. voice blew out. But yeah. uh, but White Snake have been here, I think maybe once or twice before. But I've always been either busy or touring or you know sure. not old enough to see them. Sure. So, so man, it all happened. Even after a reschedule, it finally happened. Um, <laughs> last, yeah, I got there last week. All right, let's just jump straight in. Thoughts. White Snake, they opened the show. Um, mate, I thought they were amazing. For me, I actually have to say, mate, this is kind of my favourite incarnation of White Snake. Okay, yep. Um, I I just I, I'm a fan of Joel Hoekstra, and I have been since I got his The Moon Is Falling record in 2003. So I go back that far with Joel. Yeah, um, right, I don't awesome. know if you. Yeah, so I'm, you, I mean, I know you've interviewed him before, so you probably know all of that stuff as well. Yeah, but yeah. Um, uh, so I've been a fan of his for a long time. So so when he joined that band, um, I was like, man, Red Beach, who I love, I, I adore Red Beach is playing, and he's been a, I've been I've been a massive fan of him since you know it must be coming up thirty years that I've been a fan of Red Beach. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, through Winger and, and, and he's yeah, through Winger and the Cutting Loose. Remember cutting loose uh, instructional yes. video. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, so so to actually have both of those guys in the one band for me was just uh, you know that was that was nearly too much. It's very emotional, mate. Um, <laughs> so and then and then having been a, a White Snake fan for thirty five years, now I'm giving my age away a little bit. Um, it was just for me. It's my favourite incarnation of that band. I love Tommy Aldridge on drums. Yes, um, yes. I think Michael Devon is a great, solid, very dynamic bass player, and his BVs are just insane. His vocals are just insane. I mentioned that actually in my print review. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think he was doing a bit of uh, stunt doubling for um, Coverdale. In, in some he spots. was doing a bit of stunt doubling because well, Dave is pushing seventy now. Yeah, but. For me, man, I think he still is a great singer. Um, 100%, 100%. Obviously, obviously uh, you know, probably not hitting all the notes as easily uh, as he used to. And, and I don't know if this is a trade secret. Um, and uh, I don't know whether you mentioned it, but I think they were tuned down a whole step. Okay. So, um, and the only reason I say that is because um, I, I took video of Joel doing the Is This Love solo. Yep, and um, I, I watched it yesterday. I just happened to have a guitar in my hand, and uh, it was definitely in D. Ah, okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah, so 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 they tune the guitars down a whole step, so they can still play essentially the same chords. Cool. Yeah, um, yep. but it's just a bit easier on Dave. But mind you, there's you know I would say with that gig, you know I, I got to tell you, man, like I reckon eighty five percent of the singers out there that are great singers still couldn't sing that gig. 
Oh, definitely, uh, definitely. And of so, his contemporaries, like remember he he joined Purple in '73. Yeah. Who else is still around and still taking on this stuff? It's it's amazing. well, and that's exactly right. The only guy that I can think of is Farnham, and that yes. guy's just a freak of nature. Yep, yep. Because um, he's amazing as well. But you know, I, I thought as a band they rocked. They were really tight. Yeah. The tones were just all insane. Yeah. Um. Like and and you know for for guitars that loud as well they were still really clean. Yes, yeah, the mix was um, amazing for the White Snakes. Yeah, it really was, man. The mix was amazing, and for me, I was uh, I was right there at the edge of the walkout, like right up the front. So yeah. I was literally meters from David Coverdale, which was you know wild for me because I did actually have a White Snake poster on my wall when I was sixteen years old. Wow, cool. Was the, um, was the first record? Sorry, Sorry, mate. Keep going. No, I should to be standing there, you know, like right there, uh, you know, and listening to him sing. And we could actually hear his voice in the mic. We were that close. Oh, really? Wow. Um, wow. And, yeah, he was killing it, man. He really was killing it. Yeah, unreal. Was the first White Snake record you um, connected with 1987? It was the 87 record, but yeah. I did get into everything else after that. So you went um, backwards a bit. Yeah. I went. I kind of. I kind of came in at eighty-seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I'm a seventy-two model. So yeah, yeah. We, you know, we, 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 same our batch. Yeah. Yeah. That's well. Yeah, we are. So so, and I loved. Um, and I loved that record. And and John Sykes is he for me. I don't know why he was never a more household name. Exactly. Exactly. Than he was because he rips on that album. Oh man, um, he kills it. That he kills it so hard. One, one thing too, when when um, I, I think I've got to agree with you with the White Snake lineup. Even Vandenberg, Steve Vai, um, yeah. Bernie Marsden, all those fantastic guitar players aside, this lineup yeah. I think kills it. But what I loved all all the songs from that record, which I loved as well, um, they're they're really respectful towards the John Sykes parts because they're so good. Yeah. And yet they still bring their own flavour to it. Can we talk about that a little bit? Because I know, yeah, I know you. Um, I know you know Hoekstra and, and Beach really well. Um, what, what's your take on that? On them bringing their own kind of thing to well, classic. It parts? was interesting. So, so you take you take the first song they they played. So that yeah, but you know, Bad Boys. They yeah. played Bad Boys, and so Joel Hoekstra uh, or Hoekstra, sorry, comes out to do that uh, solo. Um, and and in that uh, in that middle bit, um, where the middle bit of the solo where where John Sykes does that ascending run, um, it's uh, let me just try and turn this up a little bit. Um, sorry, I, I do have a guitar here. Sorry, buddy. That's great, man. That's so good. <laughs> so so I think the uh, the initial the initial run in that solo, John Sykes picked it. So so it, it was this. It was that whole thing. Okay, okay. And yeah, I yeah. noticed that that Joel not being as big a picker, he did that same run, but he did it like this. So he tapped it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, okay. It was still the same sequence of notes. Um, and so I don't know whether you're picking that up. They were taking John Sykes' thing because John Sykes was a serious picker, man. Yes. Like that guy, yep. he could out shred Malmsteen. He was faster than Malmsteen and those guys. Wow. That's um, insane. Yeah, I know. He was just and some of the solos that he played on that record, like even that run in, in Still of the Night. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's crazy. So, but but those guys would either hammer or tap or or you know, uh, whatever, whatever they were comfortable with. But they'd play the same solo. So I kind of thought that was really cool. It was just a modern take yeah, on sure. on what John Sykes did nice. using the techniques that they were comfortable with. Yeah, killer. So, so yeah, man. So I, I thought, but they were both really respectful. And um, and you know, like the here I go again solo, Reb tapped that run at the end. Yeah, I noticed um, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but it still worked. You know, it's still his thing, and and uh, and he's such a charismatic and and funny guy on stage as yeah. well you know yeah they just pulled it off so but yeah you're right they they literally did play for the most part the solos on those older records unreal love that and um yeah i noticed that when you say the here i go again run that he tapped it. we were talking about that sort of technique when when you and i last spoke on, on yes your episode too that kind of legato Four, four yeah. note per string, three, three, four notes, but doing it with a right hand tap. That's cool. And Hoekstra, of course, is doing his multi finger thing, which is a, a another another uh, ball game as well. Yeah, it is. And he, well, and that's the difference. The different sound, and that's the. I think it's really cool that you have two essentially um, strong tappers in a band, but they both do it uh, con- you know completely differently. Yeah. Um, cool. So Reb's more of a scalar guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so the Reb, the Reb Beachway is is more this sort of thing. And I don't know whether, how well this is going to come across. Hopefully, you can hear it. Um, but Reb does uh, he he does a lot more of this sort of thing. Now you get this. Uh, he does a lot more of that sort of vibe. Uh-huh. Um, whereas Joel does, I noticed uh, over the over the years with him, he will take a, a phrase uh, like this. He'll take that. So now I'm doing a multi-fingered thing. Okay. And, and he'll play that in octaves. So he'll play a lift like this. So, so it's more of that sort of... That sort of thing. Okay. Um, so it's <laughs> a completely awesome. different sound. Yeah. So um, yeah. So I and I love it. You can tell I'm a massive fan of tapping. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And the multi-fingered thing's been part of my style for probably ten years now. So. Okay. So nice, uh, man. yeah, nice. but but they they did get a lot of improvising, you know, moments as well, like stuff like. Uh, uh, Love ain't no stranger, you know. They didn't copy solos in that. They just did their own they thing. Just shred, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and apparently, Coverdale's the greatest boss in the world for that because he just okay. loves guitars. That's so cool. Hey, um, ain't no love in the city as well. They both took those beautiful solos. Oh, yeah, I have Reb solo on video, and it's yeah. absolutely stunning. I know. Um, I love yeah. that because I'm because I was writing a review. I had my little notepad. I was nerding out. In fact, there were some yeah. other reviewers in my row, so we all had notepads. <laughs> <laughs> it's the dorkiest thing ever. But I'm 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 writing in the dark. I couldn't read my writing afterwards. But yeah, I'll, I was going to say that's pretty. That's pretty amazing, man. Doing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I I, I scribbled. Uh, you know, and they love Red Beach. Tick, tick, tick. And then yeah. uh, towards the end of the song, then um, Joel takes a solo as well. It's like, oh yeah, yeah it's killer. That was killer. It's killer. And so, so here's here's a great thing with those guitar players, um, and you probably noticed this as well. Um, you see some rock guys uh, live, and they just don't sound as good as they do in the studio. Sure, but sure. Both of those guys were so precise. Absolutely, um, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And if you watch a lot of Joel's stuff with Trans Siberian Orchestra and and Cher, he's yeah. just always so bang on live. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's just he just has a really clean style. Um, and yeah, and Reb, like I saw Reb with Winger when they came out here. Uh, I think it was 2011 or 2012 okay, was yeah. ages ago now. Nice. And he killed that night as well. And like everything he does is just rock solid, man. Like it's just all pristine. Yeah. Um, and that's what I love about those guys, dude. Yeah, unreal, unreal. Tone, like you said, the tones as well, unreal. I mean, that live playing, just to skip back, um, it's a totally different vibe too from sitting in your bedroom or – Whatever they, they oh, yeah. just they just launch it like uh, straight out of Bad Boys. They weren't easing into anything, and um, <laughs> that's right. They came straight out firing. Well, yeah. they had that whole uh, they had that whole rally intro <laughs> where um, where you know Joel just ripped. Like so, that guy gets no, he's got he's got no quarter, man. It's like you better yeah. warm up before you get out on stage because yeah. you are straight on, son. Totally. I mean, I was I was I did a wedding a few weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah, you do the dinner same music day. first. Same thing. Yeah, you just ease in dinner music first. Don't yeah, don't try. try. <laughs> and anyway, this was so cool. Um, how about the Scorpions? Did did do you know much of their material? Like for me, I, I knew about two songs. It, it's just a different <laughs> relationship with with that band for me. So my wife and I had this conversation last night. So I was the same. Okay. I knew I knew the two songs. The two songs. Um, the, the two songs. Um, so for me, I never got into the Scorpions um, because, you know, like 17-year-old me or 16-year-old me or whatever it was heard John Sykes and yeah. just went, holy cow, that guy, is a, he's a monster. What a great player. Yeah. Um, but the Scorpions never had that killer guitar player, you know, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but the, sure. he's just not that. He's an old-school kind of souped-up blues slash you know, hard rock guy. Yeah, that's um, um, uh, Matthias Jabs we're, we're talking about as the the fairly yeah. long term lead guitarist. Yeah, and Rudolf Schenker. Yeah, well, he's been around. He's been around for a while, and of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ru- Rudy Schenker, you know, just pretty much plays rhythm, um, yeah, and that yeah. was his thing. But owns the stage. I mean, you've got oh, to give absolutely. That. Um, and ridiculously fit for a what sixty five year old man. Yeah, um, well, he's the founder, and they've been going for like fifty years. Like, yeah, amazing. Yeah, just kill, killing it. So, but again, different relationship. I never got into them when I was young. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I never, but I've just never come back around to crossing paths with them. But you know, as far as you know, hard rock bands go, and they had Nicky D on drums, and he's a bit, he's kind of rock royalty. Yes, um, he was great. You know, He's and he was really good, you know, really, really killer um, uh, player. Uh, his solo was spectacular, and he's played with Motorhead and and uh, and you know a few of those kind of bands as well. So he's mm-hmm. been around, sure. But just for me, it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't the uh, the huge emotional rush of White Snake because I've got such a long relationship with that yeah, band. Gotcha. Um, but you know, I think I think Klaus Minor has still got a great voice. Yeah, he's still got his whole timbre, his whole vibe is is, is there. Yeah, um, and uh, and and he didn't back off any notes. And the funniest thing about that, I think my favourite um, moment in the Scorpion set was the new song that nobody really knew that we built the house, this house on the rock, okay. whatever that, that yep. song. Was. I thought that was a really good track. 
So, so that was kind of the highlight for me was that okay. song. But again, you know, not the same relationship with that band as I as I have with Whitesnake. And um, and the other thing we should mention is um, Tommy Aldridge. Yeah, man. Yes, um, I know this is Guitar Speak podcast, but I'm a massive fan of drummers, and he's he is just an animal. And yeah. I think he's the oldest, the oldest. I think he is in his seventies. Like okay. I think day okay. sixty nine. Wow. Um, and he's still doing that whole thing. And then, of course, he chucks the sticks out and does the other half of his solo with his hand. Yeah, the bottom style. Thing, um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so he was amazing as well. So, so the whole night for me, mate, was just a massive, you know, adrenaline rush. I loved it. Yeah, unreal, unreal. I'm with you, man. And the Scorpions thing. I think the other thing too for us in Australia. Um, and when we were teenagers listening to music, getting into stuff, just the, the radio play and exposure wasn't there for the Scorpions in the same no. way as, say, Whitesnake or, um, you know, Europe or some yeah. of those bands that we would have had much more access to. It's it's easy to forget in the internet age now, you know, we could just, um, you could stream something to check out a band, but back then it was much harder, so... Um, and it was, and I think they had the whole, uh, they had the whole... Um, you know, anti-Western culture working against them as well. So yeah. it was much harder for them to, to you know, be in, in America back in the – because you know what it was like, the Cold War in the 80s. America and and, uh, and Russia and, and all of those uh, Eastern Bloc countries kind of hated each other. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I, I was never as exposed yeah, um, sure. to, to the Scorpions as I was to Whitesnake, and they had a few things working against them. Always knew about them. Yeah. Um, but again, when I got into metal, it really was, you know, mostly about the guitar thing. Sure. Um, and Whitesnake had John Sykes at the time. And, and then when I, you know, went back and, and listened to Bernie and he was great too. And, yeah. uh, you know, so, so it was much more of a, uh, you know, a guitar journey for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. with those guys. And then of course, you know, the thing that sealed the deal for me with Whitesnake was when Slip of the Tongue came out, having been such a fan of 87, mm-hmm. Steve Vai had joined the band. Yep. Um, and so, he, you know, then 17, 18-year-old me is going, well, I love Steve Vai and I love Whitesnake and now he's in that band. So, <laughs> you know, that just that just sealed the deal for me. Yeah, you know? cool. but, but, uh, but, yeah, man, so for me, I think that's the best, that's the best uh, version of Whitesnake I've you know, I've heard. Yeah, unreal. Um, it's cool. Great. Loved it. Excellent, man. Jeremy, thanks heaps. It's been so fun reliving all the super guitar moments. <laughs> yeah, mate. Always. So, mate, I'm looking forward to doing it again when we've, uh, you know, when I've got a new project to talk about with you. It's yeah, definitely. Exciting. Yep. And uh, I know there's some great stuff going on with that as we spoke about off air. So, um, yes. So, don't uh, don't be a stranger and we'll... Um, Never. We'll keep talking, man. Never. Yeah, always, bud. All right. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Legend. See you, pal. All right, there you go. Whitesnake and the Scorpions discussed infinitum. Now, if you were at that show in Sydney or any of the other shows of that tour for that matter, um, I would love to hear your thoughts if you agreed with some of the points we've been making on this episode or if you had another perspective. Um, I would love to hear those. Drop us a line at Guitar Speak Podcast. Uh, at gmail.com or go to our Facebook page. You can join our Facebook discussion page as well. That's the Guitar Speak Forum. Uh, Lots of ways to get in touch. Okay, that's about it from here. I'm going to get out of here. I'll uh, catch you next time on the Guitar Speak podcast.